Welcome to Teacher Besties, a podcast for teachers. I'm Jamie. And I'm Kelly. This week, we will talk about what we've done over the past two weeks. We will talk about movies about teachers, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We will also talk about whether or not we would work for free if our school was going bankrupt, as some teachers are doing in another part of the country, and the opt-out movement for standardized testing. tell me about your first week back at school oh it was awesome it was so positive for you know starting at a new school it was just about as good as it can get um I'm definitely trying to get my first week stamina back that like absolute exhaustion that you have at the end of the week is definitely real I understand Um, that week three I'm still exhausted I know I heard a first-year teacher in the bathroom saying that she'd never been this tired in her whole life, and I was like, yeah, that <laughs> never goes away. <laughs> like, but the first week never goes away. Definitely worth it. Yeah, worth it. Um, I had a few of those moments of, like, thinking to myself, how am I going to balance my work and my personal life, which, again, like, after years of teaching, I feel like that panic moment still always happens to me at the end of the week can be all-consuming and it's really hard to balance and the more things that you add in your life like a child and a home and you just it just piles on but absolutely uh I was putting up ceiling fans and it took me no joke three weeks to put up three separate fans which I guess isn't that slow but at the same time it was really hot here so (laughs) teaching really impeded my ability to do anything in my house yeah I really really want to weed my backyard but I'm decision today instead to grade essays and so the weeding in my backyard did not get done good for you yeah um so I will say one other really awesome thing about my first week was um I I have one class of seniors in an advanced composition course that there's only 20 kids in that section and if there is ever a plug for small class sizes I can tell you that like, you know, I memorized their names by the end of the first day. Like, I already know so much about who they are. I was able to give them an essay and grade it and do a whole lesson on Monday about it because there's only 20 of them. That's awesome. So, yeah, so I feel like, especially where writing is concerned, kids really benefit from those kinds of circumstances. The other really awesome thing that happened to me this week that I have to tell people because, like, if you, one of your friends, one of your teacher besties ever goes to a new school and you want to make them feel like the most important person in the world, like you did, yeah. send them flowers that will be delivered in the middle of their third period on the first day. I look like a superstar, so thank you. You're so welcome. <laughs> I'm glad they were beautiful. Uh, another teacher sent them with me, and she's a little bit older. And so she goes, I'm going to call the school. I'll find out what florist is near there. And then we'll order them. And I'm like, we could just look it up on the internet. And she's like, oh, yeah. Like, she forgot the internet existed. And um, I don't know if I made her feel bad because I was just like, find the, find the floor shop closest to Kelly's school. But um, 
whatever it got there and uh she's very excited for you too yeah and also to her credit like that is something that i think that she would think of because it's like a very old school like very thoughtful kind of manners thing to do and very very nice it really did make me feel great when like you know you don't get those same um kids coming back and telling you how much they liked you so at least you get a little bit of that yeah that's awesome back to school was fun I actually don't mind it I kind of think it's very exciting especially at a school where parents come uh I like to play this game inside my head when parents first walk in to figure out which student they belong to uh (laughs) I like to pay attention to the ones that have like a, a clipboard or a notebook and are like very into what you're saying uh, yeah. or the ones that have their phone out the entire time and seem like they could care less. And yeah, then I make, a, I make a mental note of matching them up because it's the same students and parents that just, like, if you have your phone out and you're a kid and you have your phone out and you're a parent, like, I guess the apple really doesn't fall that far from the tree. Right, so I guess the positive way of looking at it is, you know, if you're a parent and you want your child to do something, to model it, right? Yes, model good behavior at all times. Also, <laughs> something else I do is, uh, so every day in my class for freshmen, there's a warm-up, and I make the parents do a warm-up when they come in. And it's the it's usually, tell me something you think your student didn't tell me about themselves that I should know. And sometimes it's not that exciting. Like, my student has an IEP. Like, well, duh, your kid has an IEP. I know. I'm a good teacher. I read the paperwork. But then there was this one really suave kid, and I, like, I thought he was, like, too cool for school, and his mom wrote that he likes to do magic. Oh, I love that. And I just thought it was the cutest thing ever. Oh, that is so cute. Yeah. I love that. It, it's so nice when you get to especially a kid that kind of has some walls up like when you learn that little thing that makes them like vulnerable or just like a human you're like oh great I can see you in a totally different light now yeah I'm trying to figure out if I should work it into a conversation but I think I'm just gonna let it go maybe you should perform a magic trick on him oh I don't know (laughs) if I have those skills but I could try see how excited he gets <laughs> or he might be like, I have not liked magic since second grade, and my mom will not let that go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's maybe a little more likely. Oh. Yeah. All right. Anything else great happened this week? Uh, not really that exciting. Back to school night is also one of those like all day I mean how long is it usually like a like an 18 hour day or yeah. something like- you get to school obviously like seven twenty, seven thirty, and you don't leave until eight thirty. uh I went and got dinner in between and hung out with some people but I got a lot of work done and it's always nice to chat like you find the teachers that you don't usually talk with and so I was talking to the PE teacher for a while or one of our PE teachers and we have a lot of yeah. students in common, and it was actually really great to have that conversation because Friday morning after back-to-school night, I went to go do yoga with her PE class, and I saw a bunch of my students, and I was like, oh, it all makes sense now. Aw, yeah. great. Yeah, I think maybe Fridays I'll do yoga with PE. New plan Sounds for the good. semester. So first, let me preface this by saying this was um, 
This was inspired by a, an article on Grantland um, called, because, celebrating the 20th anniversary of Dangerous Minds. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that, I like. I think I might have seen the article but didn't actually read it. I was like, she wants me to watch a movie. Okay, I got that. Yeah. So 20 years ago, Dangerous Minds came out. So I remember going to see that movie in middle school, and I went to a very – suburban safe high school and I remember thinking like oh so that's why my teacher doesn't throw candy bars at me to get me to do work (laughs) but um that movie is hilarious and ridiculous for many different reasons um but the article like goes through all these teacher tropes um things that kind of like what they get wrong and what they get right. Most of the stuff they get totally wrong. Of course. Uh, But, you know, like they, some of the things that he points out that the teacher movies get wrong is that, like, when a high school teacher is teaching, they show one class of, like, 20 kids, and those are the only kids that they're teaching. Um, And... I mean, the realistic version wouldn't be all that great to make a movie about. Absolutely not. Um, oh, the other thing I love that he says is that the teacher always is caught off guard when the bell rings and that that is never going to happen because you have that time burned into your brain. Yeah, I'm like the crazy person that has my watch, my phone, and the school the clock on the wall and I'm staring at it all the time. And whoever yeah. doesn't know that is a very special teacher. Yeah. Uh, also wrong is that the teacher comes walking into class after the students have already been in there for a while. <laughs> Some of our old colleagues may or may not have done that. Oh, I don't know anyone who does that. Oh. That's not normal. I do. Uh, what else did they say? They get it wrong. Wrong. Teachers play Russian roulette with their students. <laughs> I don't know what movie that is. I do not. Okay. Tell me what movie you watched. Okay. This is ridiculous. So, I'm going to say the movie that I watched had Mark Anthony in it. Really? <laughs> um, it was made in 1996, starring Tom Berenger, and it was called The Substitute, and it is the worst movie for many reasons. Is that the uh, one? Oh, I think I'm confusing it. Tell me what it's about. Okay, I'm going to try to boil down this like ludicrous plot the best that I can, but... Um, Tom Berenger is the substitute, and he basically plays a guy who's, like, a mercenary of some sort. Oh, I've seen this movie! Yeah, no, like, it opens with him doing some mission in Cuba where he's, like, destroying drug lords or communists or some other stereotype. He's at an inner-city school, too, right? What was that? It's an inner-city school? Well, yeah, it's, like, Miami, um, urban setting. Okay. Um, yeah. So, basically, the, re- the way that he gets linked up with the school is that he's friends with a teacher, and the teacher thinks that her students are trying to kill her. Oh. Um, the teacher gets, like, attacked, and her leg is broken, um, and then the Tom Berenger guy decides, I'm going to be the substitute to fill in, and so he goes <laughs> into the class and learns that a gang called the King... King of Dragons, I think. The KOD is what they call them. The Kings of Destruction. Yes, I'm looking at the IMDB page. I see that. Yeah. Okay, the Kings of Destruction are, like, running drugs throughout the school. Um, And 
he has decided to take it upon himself to, like, investigate that. And that's his mission. But here are some of the most unrealistic premises that I took note on. The first unrealistic premise is that when he walks into the school, the substitute, the principal greets him. Like, that would never happen. No. Principal is not going to interact with you if you are a substitute. You are going to interact with the substitute coordinator, and that is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, he, like, walks into a room, and it's like, you know, I will put this out there for anybody who's going to subject themselves to an hour and a half of this movie, is that it is also completely, like, racist and has lots of stereotypes about urban students that I would not even want to get into. <laughs> I think I definitely watched it before I was a teacher. Yeah. I'm just going to focus on kind of the stupidity of the movie and the hilariousness. But, of course, he walks into the classroom and the kids are, like, listening to a boombox and, you know, like, rifling through the teacher's desk and stealing stuff. And Well, I mean, uh, it kind of sounds like a more serious version of Sister Act 2. Uh, it is a more serious version if you, I guess, take his little... Uh, investigation seriously <laughs> um, so then okay the next most unrealistic premise is that the substitute decides he wants to investigate a student so then he asks the principal for the student's file like as if that would ever happen no they're all just okay. in the office you can go get them right mm-hmm. okay just checking well, I don't think they would ever give that to a substitute oh, oh yeah I didn't even think about that yeah. Then he tells the people that he's investigating the kids with, quote, these kids are walking around with cellular phones, pagers, and driving BMWs. And that's his, like, evidence for the fact that they're running drugs. <laughs> Which I know in 1996 might have been some evidence, but it's pretty comical in 2015 to, like, hear that come out of the round. <laughs> um, next unrealistic premise he throws a crushed can like a crushed soda can at a kid's head then fights him in the middle of class then that kid leaves class and like the principal kind of gets wind of what's happening and as the principal is like going up to the classroom to stop this abusive substitute um he like come this principal comes around the corner and like stops and instead of going in and investigating anyway he sees that the substitute tom berenger has now within the span of like 20 minutes captured his audience by telling them a story about when he was in vietnam and like has already built a rapport with the students 20 minutes after beating up one of them well clearly that's what it means to be a what was he a marine an undercover Uh, agent mercenary i couldn't really tell what but yeah, like, oh yeah, sure, you can beat one of us up, and then 20 minutes later, we're, you're just going to have us in your hands, like, eating out of it. Well, he ex- <laughs> he, uh, he showed them who was boss. Right. Um, the, the principal then, like, sort of asks him, like, says, like, so, you know, by the way, you can't hit a kid, that's not okay. And <laughs> the substitute <laughs> going who's going by the name Mr. Smith, is like, oh, I just wanted to get their attention. And the principal then says, well, I guess if you apologize, then we could probably avoid a lawsuit and you could keep your job. And the sub is like, absolutely no way. 
Oh, and by the way, you can't fire me for at least two weeks without notice to the teachers' union. <laughs> but oh my god, subs aren't even part of the teachers' union. Okay, wow. I know. So, like, the number of like fallacies that are running through this movie are just kind of hilarious. Um, just to sum it up, uh, you know, sh- no, no shocker. He like somewhat falls in love with teaching, even though he still wants to bust these thugs and whatnot. He. Um, finds out that the principal is in on the drug running and that the principal is, like, hiding the drugs somewhere within the school. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the ba- movie just basically devolves into, like, a typical drug raid, shoot 'em up cop movie, so it's, like, no longer interesting to teachers. But, um, yes, it is a terrible, terrible movie full of uh, untruths, but um, a, a somewhat comical to someone who's actually a teacher. Oh, okay. My movie... Is from 1989. It is a movie that I own. Um, Can I guess? guess? Yeah, I thought that's what the game we were playing. Do you know what it is? Okay. Um, Is it... um, What's the one with Robin Williams? Dead Poet Society. Yeah, is it Dead Poet Society? Yes, it is. And I picked that because... Yeah, I mean, like, well, I guess it's really... I've never worked, nor have I gone to a private boarding school, so I can't really talk about the realism involved in that. Right. But I can talk about how much I like Robin Williams and how when I watched that when I was in high school, I thought it was really inspirational. However, I do not think I would ever stand up on my desk and say, oh, captain, my captain. And then... I don't really see that ever happening in my class. Lots of other things that are exciting happen in my classes. Like on Friday, I had a 30-minute conversation with an entire freshman class about voting. And it was like, seriously, every single kid was asking a question about how voting worked. And I was like, yeah, let's talk about that. But but never a poem, sorry. Um, yeah. Who is that, Yates? Well, is that who? really no, it doesn't fit no, my no, plan. No, it was Whitman. Whitman. There we go. Yeah. Sorry. Something. By the way, side note of that that poem, um, a much smarter or at least more mature uh, teenager when I was in high school and captain of my dance team wrote that quote in my yearbook. Oh, captain, my captain. Oh. And you know, I definitely did not get the reference at that time. <laughs> I'm not sure if she was really referencing Whitman or if she was just referencing that movie, but either way, <laughs> I didn't get the reference. Because I was neither that mature nor that smart at that time period. <laughs> That's too funny, but now you get it, obviously. Um, so, I mean, I don't really have that much criticism besides he doesn't come into class late. Uh, he does something that we maybe do, which is disregard the textbook a lot. Um, I don't really love the textbook for my class. I know that uh, we're required to have one by, what is that, the Williams Act? Um And he tries to get the students to think outside the box and be independent, not little robots like their parents were trying to train them to do, which I don't... Don't they have some sort of secret society? They do. I can't think of what it's called at the moment, but they have the one where they go to the cave and they're all like, it's like a drum circle kind of thing. Right. A drum circle of poetry, which we know all students want to engage in, right? Yes. And Robin Williams... (laughs) went to that boarding school when he was a kid and he oh it's called the dead poet society duh that's nice <laughs> full circle moment uh and i forgot about that 
Uh, and he like they found his picture in the yearbook as the person who started it. And then there was some really sad moments, which we're not going to talk about. But um, it's literally like I cry every time I watch that movie. Not really sure why I picked it. Refresh my memory, though. Why do they fire him at the end of the movie? It's never explicitly clear. But he's like too progressive. Yes, he's not conforming to the way they want him to teach. Right. Um, I think also I would be very curious to find out like what that character did next. You know, like I know I'm never going to get that answer, but a dead poet society too. You know, I do not want that released in theaters, but I would like to know, just for my own curiosity. A follow-up? Like, where did films go? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me that you watched Bad Teacher, and I was, like, ready to laugh, but... Okay, I have seen that movie a few times, and while I would also never say that that's a good movie, that movie does have a lot of funny things, because there are things that, like... You know, when you're at your worst, you kind of think of, like, what if I just did this right now? Or, like, what if blah, 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 blah. And you never do them, but, like, when you see them in action, it is kind of hilarious. I think I saw that twice, once in theaters and once it was probably on TBS or something. But, yes, it always entertains me. But I think it's especially entertaining when you're grading really bad papers and then you watch her do the grading because she <laughs> says something like, she just writes, like, exactly what she's thinking on the paper. One time I did that. I felt a little bad, but I think the kid deserved it. <laughs> it was really bad. It, like, I, I feel like I maybe shouldn't have said that, but so bad. Every now and then, you just have to be really truthful. For sure. Anyway, would you like to talk about this article, which I found? It's from the Washington Post, uh, and it's about a school in Pennsylvania that is going bankrupt, and all of the teachers together decided unanimously that they were not going to accept a paycheck. No, yeah, basically they they accept, they decided that, like, in order for school to continue going, that they were going to be okay with not being paid, and that was union-approved. Yeah. I, when I read that, uh, my husband was like, oh, we're doing blah, blah, blah now. I'm like, no, we're not. We're going to keep reading this article because, holy crap, how could anyone be so selfless to go without a paycheck, first of all? And second of all, at least where we live, we wouldn't be able to afford to live. No, but I would also just like to give props to, or not necessarily props, but to just say, like, for all of the bad press that unions get like that is an example of something that i'm not gonna say happens all the time but like positive choices that unions make for the sake of students yeah you know that is one right there that does not get a lot of press absolutely not i mean the washington post is not as obviously well read as other publications but man i mean it just like when i was reading it I, i couldn't even imagine having that conversation that like, it seems like potentially the state will step in and teachers will get paid. However, there's no guarantee of that. And right. so I don't know if I would be willing to give my time for free. Well, and also I'm sure a lot of those teachers are similar to, like, when the government workers are, you know, when it's shutting down and they don't really have a choice. I'm sure that what they are 
deciding is, do I stick this out because it's only temporary and, you know, I've been teaching for X number of years, I have all this experience, this is my profession, I'm not just going to walk away and go get a job, you know, at Starbucks when this is my profession, Um, but like you said, how much time are they going to spend waiting it out and who's going to come to their aid? Like, is the government going to start funding this school even though it's millions of dollars in debt? Yeah, uh, it's mind-boggling to me that it could even get that far, especially when politicians and, you know, I guess just politicians and everyone make such a big fuss over school funding and how important it is and, like, teachers need all these things in place to keep us in check, yet at the same time, they were going to risk a school closing, one of the only public schools in that district. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to point out from the um, from the article for people that were wondering, like, how did this school get so deeply in debt? Um, the article points out that this district, Chester Upper Upland District, that they pay the local charter schools about $64 million a year in tuition. Yeah, payments. that's something and, that's a lot. And that's actually more than the district receives in aid, school aid. And that, um, like, apparently, if it's a special needs student, the district has to spend $40,000 per student for every student in that district who enrolls in the charter school. And that's twice the amount that the district spends on its own students. So it's essentially an influx of charter schools in that district is bleeding the district dry of its money. I'm curious why they even agreed to let that happen to begin with, but the article clearly doesn't talk about that. No, but my understanding of most charters is that if you can prove that the district is not meeting a significant need of the community, then you can start a charter, and that district has to fund that charter. Um, now, you have to continue proving that you're up, you are upholding your charter and, and meeting the needs of those students, but whether or not that always happens, who knows. Um, the other thing that was really striking was that there was an online charter also operating in the district, and they get the exact same money per pupil. So even though they're operating everything online and probably have far fewer teachers per student, um, they get the exact same amount of money. That's so crazy. I don't I think I caught that when I read it the first time. Yeah, so unintended consequence of charter schools is that, you know, districts like this are going broke. So we got to start talking about, like, how do we want to fund our public education and what's, you know, what's a positive way to do it without completely throwing off the economics of public school systems that have been set in place for, you know, 100 years or more. Or do those economics get to be overthrown because it's all based on property taxes for the most part? Yeah. Yeah, in most parts of the country, true. Anyway, I guess conversation yeah. for another time. Yeah, well, um, so would you work for free? Um, if I had someone else to support me at home, I think I'd do it for a little bit, but not long term. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree, agree to that. Like if I knew there was an end in sight, absolutely. Yeah, All same right. here. I feel like a good person now. <laughs> I don't think that you're a bad person if you said no, because in reality, like, it's our job, and we need to get paid. Yeah, I guess that's also 
a good way to think about it. Yeah. Or the right way. Let's talk about opting out of public testing. All right. In New York, which is said to be the boycott's epicenter, 20% of students in tested grades opted out of the state's common core aligned exams this past year. That's more than 200,000 kids. Yeah. And there was that whole school, was it Washington State or Oregon State? It wasn't mentioned in this article that all the juniors decided not to take the common core uh, test last spring. Yeah, I remember that. They, they decided not to do this murder balance test, which is the ones that are aligned with Common Core. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple of things that I always notice about the opt-out movement and sort of like the anti-Common Core movement. It is kind of silly. They're kind of interesting. It is like the one issue that brings Tea Party Republicans and like very country liberals together. Yes. Um, even though, like, I think that they are against testing for very different reasons or like against the common core for different reasons but like they sort of unite in this like you know movement against uh the standardization of education i always get a little i I laugh a little when i read these articles because really i don't understand why i get why politicians care i obviously get why teachers care i get why parents care and i get why students care but people who are, feel really strongly that standardized testing should be a thing and don't fall into any of those four categories I mentioned, I don't really get where their strong opinions are coming from. Mm, unless they themselves had really bad testing experiences. No, but usually the strong opinions are okay, fine. I guess the ones that offend me are the ones that say that it has to 100% be compulsory, that there's no way we can get rid of them. Like those people, I don't really get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel kind of torn on the opt-out movement. I think that you should, I mean, I don't know. I guess to a certain degree, I think that you should have the right. But then I also think that, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that the, if, if the testing wasn't take, overtaking a lot of our curriculum, and if, if these tests were not influencing our curriculum so much, then I wouldn't be against this one test every year. I agree. Um, especially depending on what the, especially depending on what the um, consequences and rewards are for this test. But, uh, you know, I mean, they are influencing our curriculum, particularly in English and math. Like, they're basically changing everything. Um, I know math teachers feel like they've been hit really hard because the way that they teach math and sort of the way that students are going to be asked to test on math is very different. It's much more, I guess they say it's much more real world problems and like taking the math and applying it to an actual outcome, which sounds great. But I think kids who always did well with math because it was like, do this, do this, yeah. and you're going to come to a solution, are feeling, like, really thrown for a loop. I mean, I've definitely looked at some of the Common Core math stuff, and I would say that I was pretty good at math in high school. Like, I, I got it. It made sense. I like that there are rules, and you can follow them every time. And looking at the new curriculum, I sometimes find it very overwhelming uh, mm-hmm. and don't know the answer. Like, I did 
last year I had to proctor the math test for the smarter balance. And so the practice problems that we had to go through, I was like, this is not math. I don't understand. Um, so it was an interesting moment. What, what really frustrates me is that most of these articles don't really look at what I consider to be the crux of the problem with standardized testing, specifically Common Core. And that's like, who is funding it behind the scenes and what purpose do the tests actually serve? Because if someone made a really compelling argument saying we need to test because we need to look at the growth, not we're going to tie it to school funding or we're going to make sure that, I don't know, uh, the United States is ranked the best in the world like that. For me, that doesn't really do anything. But if we're looking at like how much students are actually able to do and like how maybe something needs to be changed for the better, not necessarily like punitive toward individuals or schools, then I think that there's a lot of good that can come from it. Yeah, and also I think that, I've said this before, but I think that the Common Core standards are very good standards. Like they, you know, they're they're more concise and they're more, um, they're broader standards, but applied to really core critical skills that you're going to need, at least in English they are. And um, there is more an, of an emphasis on writing. They're, they actually have to write, oh my God, gasp, on their <laughs> test to see whether or not they can write, whereas the old test, they would take a multiple choice exam on writing skills, which was just infuriating when you have spent the entire year teaching them how to write. I mean, it also goes, that's like aligned with what the SAT is now. It's later aligned with what the GRE is. And so if you can't do it in high school, uh, how are you going to be able to develop that skill later? So I think that is more aligned for sure. Yeah, I would say that the one you know thing to say about that, the alignment with the SATs is that it is aligned because the because the Common Core was lobbied for and developed by the College Board. Yes, the College and, Board. You know that is something that if we're going to talk about like the legitimacy of these standards and why they got passed and how influential these testing companies are on our curriculum, like John Oliver did a very good summation of that on his uh, last week tonight show. Yeah, that was a few months ago. That was great. Yeah, and that and that is definitely a problem in terms of, like, we are basically allowing our testing companies to pay for the rights to rewrite textbooks and get us to buy all these textbooks and also write new curriculum and, and influence our curriculum that way, which is, I don't know if it's always the best way to get that done. Absolutely, but I am I guess I would, be, I'm always looking for a better option for that. I'm curious how that could possibly change. Right. Let's end on a positive note. Okay. Uh, Here's a positive before we talk about ourselves. Um, I don't know if you were following this this week, but it is very likely that the uh, Casey or the California exit exam is going to be no more. I saw that. Students will no longer have to take the California exit exam in order to receive a high school diploma. Now, that's controversial, but... If you have ever administered the KC, you will know that it is about an eighth grade reading and writing, uh, or excuse me, reading and math level, which was basically a floor, not a ceiling, to um, <laughs> get through um, get through high school, right? So it was like, oh, can you pass middle school? Oh, you can't pass that test? Okay, we won't give you a diploma. Um, the reality was that for students that were 
you know, coming from affluent backgrounds, it was a waste of their time. It was laughable. Students who were coming from struggling backgrounds, the test was, um, you know, it had all sorts of biases written into it. And so it was bad all around. I'm glad that it's gone. I've never proctored it, but um, I saw a lot of kids who had a hard time passing it, even even at the school I'm teaching at. So I guess that's a positive. More high school graduation rates or high school graduation rates increase. Mm-hmm. Yay. Uh, Yay. <laughs> graduating high school. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, should we tell people where they can find us? Uh, you can find us on teacherbestiespodcast.tumblr.com. You can, you can subs- also send us an email at teacherbesties at gmail.com. Or you can subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Teacher Besties. And if you like us, write us a nice review. And uh, thanks for listening. And rate us. Rate us. Oh, yes. So other teachers find us. And also, like, post to your Facebook and tag all of your friends who are teachers. That's how people find us, too. So. Anyway, talk to you. Well, I'm sure tomorrow. But talk to you, everyone else, in two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, oh, oh. But in the